0: Welcome to Farming the Depths of Eternal, a constructed podcast all about brewing. Each episode, we do a deep dive on a card and brew some decks around it and so far, and see how far we can take it. I'm Patrick, or Potomar Online, and this week, uh, instead of John Holio or Stormblast, we have uh, I'm a Straight from Team uh, WSG. Uh, welcome to the podcast, I'm Straight.
1: Hello. Thank you. And uh, my name is Alex as well, so feel free to call me either either of those. Cool, thank you.
0: I'll, can I call you straight? Is that or are we not? not? Yeah,
1: yeah, that works as well. <laughs>
0: um, yeah. So uh, you know, the mi- newest mini set came out, and so we thought we'd we'd use this opportunity to have one of these episodes, and uh, we figured we'd pick a cool card from that. So the card we're picking this week is uh, Catalyze, uh, which is the uh, two fire fire spell that says discard a card to draw two cards. Each unit weapon or spell drawn this way gets double damage, and uh, yeah, and so we're gonna take this episode to talk about it. We brewed up some decks, and we there were a few decks from the open that also had the card in it. So I think this will be pretty interesting.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: Yeah. So before we start, I will say for anyone confused on what is happening, I, this is usually a draft focused podcast, but we like to, or I like to sprinkle in these uh, constructed episodes. Every once in a while, because I do like to brew every once in a while when a a card uh, catches my fancy. And uh, so before we do that, uh, uh, I'm a straight. I was uh, wondering if you wanted to give a little background on sort of what kind of Eternal player are you? Like, what kind of decks do you play? Do you have a preferred format?
1: Sure. Um, I think... My preferred format is probably Throne. Um, I used to play a lot of a lot of draft as well. Uh, I Haven't lately, but I, I definitely will will get back into it uh, when a when a set strikes my fancy. Uh, primarily, I like to play very synergistic decks, um, combo if I can. Otherwise, kind of decks that have interesting synergies within them. Uh, trying to maybe confuse my opponent uh, to misevaluate certain situations uh, to my advantage. Yes, and I think you
0: would you consider yourself most well known for the overloader combo deck?
1: Um, that is definitely one of the decks that I've uh, that I've tuned a lot um, together with uh, uh, with Earth's Overseer. Uh, that one, uh, primarily, I think uh, Eccentric Officer mm. combo is, is my is my baby, and also Factionless as well. Yes, both of those decks.
0: Yes, because you also play a lot of the. Um, you sort of popularize the shadow, the factionless shadow deck, right?
1: Yes, it started off as just the the plain all factionless. It was kind of an experiment um, that I was that I was running, and and then we got Cast Iron Furnace, and all of a sudden it became a real deck. Uh, and then I I try to push Cast Iron Furnace as far as I could, and it turned out that I could do that with Shadow, uh, probably the best, although. Maybe, you know, maybe we have some new additions that we'll be talking about later today. Yes.
0: Yeah. And that'll be interesting because actually the, the factionless deck I had the Mm -hmm. most luck with, this was many, many uh, sets ago. I mean, after Cast Iron Furnace came out, but was uh, actually a fire factionless deck. That's interesting. Yeah. Sort of, I had a auto tread in there and then I had a, I like putting draft cards in my deck. And so I also had the. The Basher, the 5-5 five five with uh, Reckless that discards a card?
1: Yeah, the Sentinel. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. And I um, I tried that uh, in Expedition a lot, and it was relatively successful.
0: Yeah, so that, that deck I played a ton of <laughs> for some reason. That was probably the highest in Masters I've ever gotten was actually, with that deck. I guess let's get into it. So, like I said, uh, the card we're doing uh, this week is Catala- Catalyze. Which I think is a pretty interesting card. It's a uh, an effect that Fire has never had before, uh, to the best of my knowledge, and, right. and um, <clears throat> you know it brings some. There are some close parallels, uh, especially in Primal, uh, with Strategize and Torgov's Wares, uh, both being uh, two-cost cards that let you dig uh, too deep and draw a card. So. Th- this is not actually, none of these cards are really card advantage cards. They're card filtering effects.
1: Um, uh, right, most of the time, right, unless you're able to to discard a card that maybe is replacing itself, I suppose, similar to Privilege of Rank. So something like Privilege of Rank, you may be able to, to somehow synergize with it and still get an, a card advantage, uh, even though seemingly you're... At face value, if you're looking at the card, it doesn't it doesn't really give you card advantage. It kind of replaces uh, itself with a card.
0: Right, exactly. And that's one of, I think, the advantages that this has over, like Strategize in particular, is that Strategize just puts it back in your deck, and so you can't use any of those discard synergies. Uh, you know, Torgoth's swears the... the uh, Relatively new version of this that's in Elysian allows you to discard the card uh, After you draw the two and then you gain um, two life I think with it so yes, um, I guess that one in this in a sense is Strictly better than uh, this first part of Catalyze of discard a card to draw two cards
1: Yes, um, both because you get to see the cards first before discarding um, and and you have a gish- additional life gain from it, but perhaps it it kind of shoehorns you into playing uh, two other factions. Uh, so if you say wanted to play, you know, shadow and a draw spell, then you would end up having to to play three factions to do that. Whereas catalyze may be able to uh, to help you stay within two factions. So there's there's some benefits from that perspective. And then of course there's there's additional there's some additional text on Catalyze that that perhaps you're you're able to take advantage of um, further, uh, which with with a double damage.
0: Yes, exactly. And so both cards you draw can gain double damage uh, if they are a, a unit, weapon, or spell. So I I kind of wanted to highlight these two things, um, you know, because uh, when I looked at this card, it's like you know. Like you said, because you get to discard a card, it's like, how do you turn that into an upside? So, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the only card that you can discard for value in fire is Jex Takedown, which uh, maybe no one's (laughs) most people haven't heard of, but it is a three cost fire spell and that just deals three damage uh, to the enemy player. And then if you have fire influence, then when the opponent plays a spell, you can you draw Jex takedown from your void.
1: I think you are right. I, I can't think of another uh, another card that you can freely discard uh, just in fire that uh, that you would be able to say get back in some way uh, pretty simply to 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 true up on that card disadvantage or the the discarding effect of it. Yeah. Um, also notably, we don't have any effect yet in Eternal um, that could take advantage to the fact that you are discarding first before drawing. Uh, seemingly, that seems like a disadvantage because you don't get to see all the cards first and then discard. But um, in say some other card games, there are effects that you can replace your draw step with another effect. So if uh, if those cards do exist in the future uh, in Eternal, this may arguably be much better than uh, the draw spell that draws first and then discards.
0: Right. And like like an example card of this is like a a card that says, like, next time you draw a card, draw this from your void instead. And so that would be great with this spell because that would sort of guarantee that at least one of your draws is a unit because you're discarding it and then drawing a card correct um yeah the uh the two other colors that sort of play in this area are justice which has uh the well-known the card you mentioned a uh, privilege of rank which will draw you a justice sigil if you discard it and uh iron priestess which is the two cost two two and then if you discard it you can uh, you draw a weapon equal that's uh Power and armor is equal to uh, Iron Priestess power.
1: Um. Yes, both of those work very well with it. And and actually, as you were describing uh, the effects and drawing cards, I, I realized that. So one other example of what I meant for the previous point was, uh, let's say we were to discard uh, Nico, uh, the card uh, that has a frenzy to return from your void and grow its power by one. Um if we had some other card and or effect that would deal damage when we draw cards so that it would trigger frenzy, we could freely discard Nico to catalyze and immediately get it back.
0: right. yeah, exactly, which would be pretty pretty cool because uh um this is sort of, yeah,' Cause like another disadvantage of the way it is because eternal does have sort of spells that work really well with the opposite way, like Torgoth's Wears right now, Uh, you know, with like echo cards are great for that because you can draw your echo card, you get an extra copy of it, and then that's what you can discard. So that is a thing to keep an eye out for is things that sort of appreciate being discarded first. Um, Yeah, and then Shadow has a bunch. So there's like the faceless one, which is the 2-1 unit that you can play for free. There's Nico, uh, the one that when you do Frenzy, you get it back. Uh, There's uh, Severin, uh, baby Severin, who's the 2-1 that if you have three shadow and you play a relic, you can play it from your void. Um, There's Elding, which likes to go to your void, but now you have to pay two and uh, sacrifice a unit, or relic, and you can play one of the Pale Riders with it. Uh, And then there's Send a Message, which is the uh, five-cost spell, but if you discard it, you can pay two to cause your opponent to discard a card and sacrifice a unit. That's right. Yeah, so I I think that's the majority of them uh, that that can appreciate it. So I think for me, this speaks to kind of wanting to play it, play... Somewhere in um, the uh, FJS space, straight. Do you have any ideas of what to do with this double damage? The uh, sort of the exciting twist to this card.
1: Yeah, I I think there's a lot of different uh, directions that that you can go, and I, I think some of the decks that we're going to be seeing um, definitely try to take advantage of that. I think more so than other parts of the card itself. They they. They they wanted to play it in in more fair decks and just try to get an advantage of a typical Rakano deck. Um, in particular, I think evasion is is something that that really benefits from it. Um, spells that have a, a good damage to cost ratio, even Torch, uh, suddenly becomes very very strong. Um, but then there's cards which are particularly exciting, something like Riva, because it takes. It takes the Fairness, which, you know, Fair Riva, but you think that you, you play Riva and, and it says you, you do two damage, um, you know, and, and it can attack the same turn and give you back up to four power. So you, you paid five, you got four back. It's very efficient. Uh, you, you you only had to spend one power, but you draw it from Catalyze and all of a sudden it, it becomes a ritual. You, you paid five and you can get back Eight power from it. It actually nets you power. So there's some very exciting uh, effects, I think, that you can do with a double damage uh, that you get from it.
0: Yes. Yeah, I I agree. Um, You know, uh, another card that I, I, it's like, uh, this is obvious, but like Berserk just does so much damage (laughs) once you give a Berserk unit double damage. Um, And then another thing to think about is just because it can give double damage to weapons is the fact that weapons can be put on units and then those units then gain double damage and so that's sort of a more modular way you know so then you get to sort of choose which unit you want to give double damage if you're if you're sort of going into a unit heavy um unit heavy build
1: yeah no that's that's definitely the case and and there's some synergies, of course, with Overwhelm and, for example, like uh, the Stonebreaker Bow, where it allows you then to, for, your, for your spells, uh, if they have double damage, to be able to hit to hit units and also Overwhelm the remainder of the damage to the opponent's face. And sometimes, in hilarious fashion, you play something like Hailstorm, and not only are you clearing out the opponent's board, but they're also taking massive amounts of damage for all the overwhelm damage that would be uh coming from the units that uh that die
0: oh wow yeah i always forget about that sort of the aoe overwhelm uh combination is uh pretty incredible and that it seems like probably stonebreaker bows you're the way to go for that because you know there's stone scar maul uh another draft card but that's that's kind of expensive that's hard much harder to combo with than this uh two two power weapon right uh, definitely yeah then there are a few things that um are pretty niche but do not really uh, aren't given double damage um, with catalyze and those are there are relics that deal damage and then there's a couple power that actually deal damage too so like you know cards like blitzstone totemite munitions uh, the sack to do two pitfall trap are all um cards that do relics that do damage but unfortunately won't get double damage and then like power um there is uh we actually do have a deck list that does use it but there's uh the oh geez what's what's the call the forge the dragon one uh
1: the dragon forge the cast iron furnace yeah cast forge, iron or... furnace
0: so that does actually Deal a damage, but that will not will not get damage. And then, uh, you know, like a card like Word of Soul, that's like a colorless power that deals damage. Also, will not get double damage.
1: The Word of Soul, at least if you have already reached the claws, um, it no longer is a power. It becomes a spell. So thankfully, um, it will get it will get that that beneficial effect um, if it has already been transformed. Oh, right. However, I don't believe that it would get it if you drew it as a power and then it transformed later.
0: Right, right. Yeah, I I screwed up the names. Yes. Sealed writ, which has transmute six and then turns into word of soul. So, yes. So, scratch that. Um, Yeah.
1: There's also some interesting uh, interesting, uh, things around how you play it and when you play it sometimes you would think that it hey it's a draw spell i should do it right away um but potentially because you don't get a chance to know the top cards of your deck maybe you're able to um to check the top of your deck first with with your with your power drop with something like a, a crest uh, prior to you drawing with catalyze so you can maybe give yourself a little bit more of a chance to take advantage of that double damage effect and not just have it be a draw spell.
0: Exactly. Um, yeah. So a, a question I did have about this card is, you you know, like, is how important is that double damage? And like in in my mind, I think of a card like Grenahan, um, which is like a card that you never want to miss. So it it has a sh- small restriction on it that it it'll draw a card, but it has to be a unit or a damage spell. And so like everyone who talks about Grenahan is like, you need at least 40 hits because you never want Grenahan to miss. Do you think like Catalyze is in that category of cards or is it a card because it does, you know, it does have a use just to filter that it's, it's okay to be playing sort of non hits for the double damage.
1: Yeah, I think, I think that is, is quite sub- subjective. Um, both in in the match that you are playing, uh, but also in the deck that that it that it is in, uh, most of the time I would say it's it's it would not be as detrimental as Grenahan missing, which the big part of Grenahan is that it replaces itself; it draws you that card. Um, whereas if if this misses, sure you 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 don't get a chance to do something that's uh, really synergistic, but you're still drawing those cards you're still doing something active even if it's two power then you've removed that two power from the top of your deck that we would otherwise have drawn so i don't think it's that big of a detriment if you don't get that double damage at the same time if you evaluate uh let's say a position or a matchup uh where you you really want to get that advantage of the double damage because it can hit a particular unit or a particular uh spell um that is really really beneficial in that matchup then i think we go back to that uh, the point i was making before which me which is you don't have to play it right away you could try to to force essentially the top card of your deck in some manner to have some extra information and only then play catalyze to capitalize on it
0: okay yeah that's uh that's kind of my feel and experience playing the card is that that figuring out when exactly to play it has been a really tricky case and i think we'll see in my deck uh that i'm going to talk about for this podcast is is like and maybe we'll just get right into that is like one of the things that i i asked myself was this question of like what does a deck that tries to <laughs> to just like always get double damage and sort of tries to use that to its fullest really look like. Um And so the, the deck that I made was, is just a mono fire deck that is trying to, it's, it's kind of a mono fire burn deck. So it's, it's very heavily spell-based. Uh It does have some units and we're just trying to deal 25 damage before we die. Um, Right, to mix success. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I definitely did kill a bunch of people with this, so I'll 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 read the deck list uh, for those listening along, and I've posted these on uh, Eternal Warcry too for uh, people to, if they want to follow along. So, uh, you know, I start with uh, the four catalyses, and then the other card that I kind of have always wanted to try and build around is. uh, Shavkin Dogma, which is a one-cost relic, that um, each t- your opponent it, your opponent can't gain life, and then each turn you gain a fire influence, and then if you have sixteen fire influence, your spells do plus four damage. So those are like my two non hits in this uh, deck are the Catalyze and then the four Shavkin Dogma, and then my unit suite is a uh, Battlefront Dasher. Uh, Two Battlefront Dasher, three ticking Grenadin. I was just kind of trying to see. I I don't have a lot of four ofs. Just testing different things uh, to gain more influence. I have a Shav- four Shavka Evangel. I have four volatile Grenadin because thinking that it's either a five five or your opponent will take uh, eight or ten damage if it gets double damage. I forget if it's four or five. Uh, there's a Ixten four extend merchant uh, four Jack mercenary hunter, and those are the or and then two Reva crimson blur to using that synergy that you talked about with Reva getting double damage, and then uh, my spell suite I have uh, two warning shots as an inscribe that can also gain double damage, uh, four torch, um, four Jack's takedown using that discard synergy that I was talking about. A uh, three Flash Fire, which is the reason to have a uh, Shavka Evangels and a uh, Shavkin Dogma in my deck, and a uh, three halo tip spray, which is the uh, inscribe card that can also destroy all relics and deal six damage to the face um, for six power. So not efficient, but it's like a power that can also gain double damage. Was kind of my thinking. Yeah.
1: It's it's that uh, power uh, that we were saying cannot typically gain double damage, but in this case, uh, it, it actually does.
0: Yes. And then also playing three Caleb's Persuader. Um, yeah, so like I said, uh, the, the point of this deck was to try to uh, ideally play Flashfire for... It doesn't even need to be that much if it has double damage to kill them. And I, I would say I went above 50% with this deck, but it did not blow me away. And it was very tough to kill people before I myself died because um, I have a lot of cards that are great if they get double damage, but they're very expensive too.
1: I think um, what's great about the deck is you, you are really pushing that double damage effect. So you really focused on that and... And you try to maximize that as much as possible, uh, and I think that's very interesting. In particular, I think volatile grenadin uh, stands out to me because it is pretty cheap, and and it, typically when you give your opponent the choice of, um, it's 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 not a, a relatively good idea because they will always make the choice that is l- least uh, detrimental to them, and and they can maybe remove your unit. They won't take the damage, but in this case, it's it's a uh, it's very it's a very powerful unit on the board if it has double damage or if it deals eight damage to the opponent. So I think I think that one in particular is is quite interesting. Me.
0: Yeah, I, I think it was uh, I think that was interesting. It did kind of underperform still because even as a five five people tended to be able to deal with it and because I went so heavy in the spell direction you know, they had removal for the few units I had. And so I, I kinda wonder um, if a better direction to take this is to is to play more units so that you you're you know doing more chip damage at first in, instead of really really just hoping to have a huge turn of like a flash fire or like a 12 damage. Hollow tip spray at, at six power. Yeah, that's a very good point. Yeah, uh, because you know, the, the other card that I was kind of excited to try was uh, Jack's Takedown because we have the catalyze to discard, and then we also have Jack himself to discard. So I was like, oh, eight ways to discard this, and then every time the op- opponent plays the spell, I get to draw this. But uh, three costs to deal three damage is just so underwhelming and um and even when it has double damage it's just like a very slow way to kill it and with just a discard we're just not making this deck's not making enough use of like the free cardboard, I
1: feel like right. It it the uh, throne is definitely tough uh from a perspective of efficiency and, and Jack's take down three cost for three damage is not necessarily the most efficient.
0: Yeah. Uh And so another Mm -hmm. another deck we're going to look at in a little bit, you know, has Soulfire from uh, the new set, the three cost, uh, three damage spell that has Unleash. And, um, you know, I think that's a pretty interesting way to take to to use the double damage because that that can get out of hand very quickly. And it's not, you know, once you're higher in power. And so you're not gaining it. You're not getting it back over and over again, but. It can it can kill some units and deal you know 6 12 damage to phase two if you have enough power
1: and you're talk this uh the deck that you're talking about here is uh, gt's deck from from the open yes yeah that one is is definitely an interesting one because we start getting into the territory of um you being able to plan the double damage from Catalyze in, in a much more definitive way so uh, yeah i don't know if you you wanna go through the deck first, or if if uh, i I should just bring up some of the cards in there? Yeah, um,
0: um yeah, i'll I'll go through it uh, more quickly. and again, this one will be on eternal uh, War cry. So yeah, uh, Gt's deck, this is a deck that he brought to the open. Um, and so it has a single primal etching, uh, three skycrag blueprints, uh, four torch, one unstable form, four Catalyze, four Plunk, uh, four Hailstorm, four Howling Peak Smuggler, four Soulfire, four Torque uh, Ballistics Crafter, four Elemental Fury, four Honors of Claw, four Kenna, uh, four Garden of Omens, and one Uncrossable Ravine. And then uh, also interestingly, um, in the market, they have a Prodigious Sorcery, so, so another way to give some spells double damage. So, what did you want to point out about this deck?
1: Yeah, I think so. This we are going into the deck that I think um, when we were talking about earlier on when the timing of when to play catalyze, uh, the decisions to be made with this deck are a lot, a lot deeper um, than with the monofire deck, where you're you're pretty much playing it on turn two uh, and trying to hit your double damage. By by adding as much of that into your deck as possible, the the notable directions or the notable things to mention, I think, in this deck are uh, that you have access to Garden of Omens, which when you play the uh, what is it called? Is it resurface? Resurface. I, resurface. Right? Yes. That you you can definitively place the soulfire, let's say, on top of your deck, and then draw it with catalyze, so you can make sure that your soulfire has double damage. Um, at the same time, if you have the soulfire in your hand already, and you say you have five power, you may want to play soulfire to to kill something or hit your opponent, maybe uh, hit one of their units, and then uh, you're not able to play it a second time. You have uh, the unleashed copy in your hand, which is going to get discarded anyway, you get to, you can time your catalyze then so that you can discard a card that you would otherwise have discarded anyway and get uh, some card advantage from it by drawing two fresh cards.
0: Yes. Yeah, this, this deck looks really interesting. I also like that it's playing a much better way to get spell damage over uh, Shavkin's Dogma in uh, Howling Peak Smuggler and Torque Ballistics Crafter, which are much closer to on-rate um, <laughs> ways to get a little spell damage. And then, uh, I don't know. what. Y- <laughs> Maybe this is impossible. Uh, you'd probably have to give up on Kenna to do this, but... Sort of talking about that synergy you mentioned earlier of like playing um, Shadow for uh, Stonebreaker Bow seems like this is like the kind of deck <laughs> to try that in.
1: Yeah, and I I think one of the the another deck that we're going to be talking about it is actually very very similar to this is Random's deck, uh, which may be the next one potentially, but but and that that is trying to do. Um, very ambitious uh, influence things by adding shadow into the deck as well and this that's kind of a a hallmark i think for uh, random as a player um trying to always be stretch the the limits of how much influence you can play at the same time um but i think in this kind of deck i think you would have to give up like you mentioned cards like kenna that just have a a, a very very high requirements of being in those two factions um so that you are able to play other cards like stonebreaker bow so um i think likely you you wouldn't want to have any cards that have more than two influence of of one type if you if you wanted to add an additional faction to this deck
0: yes um and then this is a little off topic but <clears throat> Just as someone who plays a lot of Throne, you know this deck is playing for honors of Honor of Claws, and like I always just like wonder when this card is going to get to be too slow, or I just like have a feeling that it's there already, but then it, it keeps showing up a little bit.
1: Yeah, it's it's actually a relatively efficient um, way of drawing cards, but notably, it only shows up in decks that are pretty controlling decks. So the idea of it would be that you're you're playing your Elemental Fury, you're kind of clearing the board, your Hailstorms, you're clearing the board. And in a turn where you're not being pressured quite as much, you're able to, to get off a, an Honor of Claws to rebuild your hand. Um, I, I agree with you that typically it would be pretty slow. And I think if you're not playing a deck that has a ton of interaction, that allows this card to be the um, refill your hand when you've basically depleted the rest of your resources, it wouldn't really fit into the deck. Um, I, if, if I was trying to play something more synergistic, uh, something that that uh, more of a combo deck, I think I would opt for cards like Strategize, for example, that are able to show me two cards for only two power versus um, having to spend all four power to see three new cards.
0: Mm-hmm. All right, yeah, so let's go into Random's deck, which uh, is kind of interesting because Random had been playing uh, an FJS kind of version of this deck a whole bunch, and then right before they open, uh, they must have come up with this deck, which is a Menace deck, um, which in some ways is similar to GT's and then (laughs) in some ways is pretty different and off-the-wall and has some pretty... Uh, interesting card choices. Um, So I'll read it, and then if you'd like to give your thoughts, that'd be great. Definitely. Um, All right. so it has, starts with uh, of course, as most decks do, uh, four Cliffside Porters, um, which is, (laughs) (laughs) for those of you who have not been playing for a long time, is a one cost zero one Echo uh, unit. Um, It has four unstable forms. Four Catalyze, four Exploit, three Ice Bolt, uh, three Ransack, three Stonebreaker stone Bow, uh, four Blight Pass Smuggler, four Crafty Occultist, three Hailstorm, four Elemental Fury, two Honor of Claws, four Garden of Omens, and four Send a Message. And then uh, Send a Message, um, importantly, Uh, In order to use its discard effect, you have to have double shadow, and it itself is double shadow. So that's giving uh, this deck its sort of uh, FFPPSS shadow or influence requirements.
1: Yeah, so definitely relatively steep um, influence requirements. Uh, I would expect that a lot of the time spent when playing this deck is making sure that you meet all your different breakpoints in terms of influence. Um, I think this deck has uh, even more synergy than GT's deck. Um, there's There are definitely a lot of similarities, uh, but I think it pushes uh, cat- Catalyze even further. It's trying to use even more of the aspects of that card. It's trying to take advantage of the discard component um, through uh, Send a Message or through having a lot of Echo cards like uh, Cliffside Porter, Unstable Form. Uh, Cliffside Porter, uh, notably, was also a four of in the deck that qualified me for 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 Worlds. So it's, it's definitely one that is uh, near and dear my heart. Um, so we have cards like Ransack that also do that discard effect. We have Catalyze. We have Crafty Occultist. So, lots of different ways to to kind of interact discard to try to take advantage of that discard effect. Um, in addition to having uh, different damage spells or different uh, or having the weapon stonebreaker bow uh, that are also uh, really great hits for your double damage. and then the, and then uh, they also had Garden of omens, which, uh, like we mentioned before, has the ability of making what you draw a little bit more predictable, so that you can time your catalyze a little bit more, uh, more efficiently later in the game to try to take a big to get a big advantage from the card.
0: Right. So a, a few things that pop in my mind that uh, I kind of would like to uh, ask about um, is one cliffside porter. So that's more or less in there only as free cardboard. Right,
1: likely, yes, uh, however, the one of the the kind of interesting aspects of that versus an unstable form is that you can always play it as a zero one and and it can gain use of life by blocking, right. So at the right time, you're able to do all the things you'd like to do for your turn, and then simply by having one additional power, uh, you're able to play a unit that can kind of interact with the board, and maybe they just have that 3-cost uh, 5-5 five, five sentinel that you were mentioning uh, earlier, uh, that, that it would typically hit pretty hard if you don't have a removal spell for it, but you can play your Cliffside Porter and... Uh, for a very low cost that can gain you five life if you really needed to in that particular moment.
0: Right. Yeah, so I, I see that. Um so ransack.
1: <laughs> what do you think about ransack in this meta? Um definitely an ambitious card. Um it's it's uh it's interesting depending on what deck you're playing against, because if your opponent is playing uh kind of broken, busted cards, if we like to call them, you get a chance to actually steal them. Um, also notably, if your opponent is trying to control the top deck of their deck, the top card of their deck, um, because they're playing a synergistic deck. So, uh, for example, maybe maybe I'm playing Overloader. One of the cards that I used to play in Overloader was, I uh, uh, believe... Call call for aid. Yes, call for aid, which is which is a slow spell, and it says that I put a unit from my deck randomly on top of my deck. Now, for Overloader, I only played Overloader in that in that deck, so I could predictably get it on top of my deck, and then that would be a setup a turn that I would make for for me to go off the turn after. Well, Ransack would definitely ruin my plans because it would be able to disrupt me by drawing the top card of my deck um when i had controlled it so it has it has a lot of interesting interactions based on what the opponent is doing but also it can get a little bit more of a of an advantage when you have all those echo cards and it can act almost like another draw spell like catalyze if you're throwing away uh something that you really don't need or an echo card to draw two fresh cards right yeah i you know the one thing
0: that i think about uh, is interesting about this card choice is I feel like it says a, a lot about like what you consider throne. Um, There are not exactly similar to um to r- Ransack, but like in Magic the Gathering, uh, there are units that allow you to say, play the top card of the opponent's deck. And uh, those cards often aren't the way people talk about those cards is that sort of the higher the power level of the format, the worse those cards are. And you would think because the higher power level the format is, the better the cards would be. But in especially in Magic, um, you know, the higher the power level, like once you get to Modern and then to Legacy, your decks are actually getting... they're they're not getting more powerful because they're playing generically more powerful cards. They're getting more powerful because they're getting more synergistic and more efficient in doing these synergies. And so I, I guess, you know, like the same thing will, will hold true or eventually hold true for eternal. But do you, do you think, how do you view throne? Do you view it as an, in a synergistic format or do you, or are we still in this just like generically powerful phase of Throne?
1: I think you're making a really, really good point with that. I think that's part of the variance of Rancac. Um I'm going to bring up Factionless as an example, because Factionless is a very, very uh, synergistic deck where the cards in it almost only work with other cards that are in it and rarely would work if they were placed in a different deck. There aren't a lot of overlap of cards that exist in that deck, for example, with other decks in the format. Um, So playing Ransack against that deck is pretty luckless luster You're going to be drawing cards that really don't do much for you. uh, Versus there are quite a few very strong mid-range decks. uh, And they play kind of objectively the better cards by themselves. Um, that 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 kind of can stand alone and in those cases i think ransack is quite impressive and i think that fundamentally the two card games are quite different in that way Um, whether we will see that shift over time with throne i think i think we will but i think it'll be quite a long time before we start losing some of the the effects or the the units that maybe or the cards that are just can stand alone we have quite a few very powerful uh standalone cards internal that i think would still make this potentially relevant although you really don't see ransack being played uh kind of very often
0: right no i i mean i think yes i think i think it's it's not good and it requires a very specific deck like this to really want it. But I do think it, you you know, like I think no matter how mid rangey the format got, most people still wouldn't play play Ransack in it. Right. Right. um, Yeah. I do think it's, it's interesting and it's interesting. The, the point you made about how you like, even if eternal sort of does go in that direction, it's going to take much longer. And I, I think the fact that they're able to do and do pretty regularly uh, live balance changes will continue to slow that process because they get multiple sort of chances to fix you know quote unquote mistakes.
1: That's very true. Um, we've definitely had a lot of a lot of cards that have been scaled back, and that helps cards like this because it it keeps the format a little bit more fair. Um, you're able to play cards like Honor of Claws. Uh, without uh, without it being just extremely slow and and not not really something that you would be ever able to do. something like uh, that in magic would be just way, way, way too slow and and not really uh, not really be able to be played.
0: yeah, it, it's funny. I was just thinking about this today actually because I was listening to uh, Magic the Gathering podcast uh, f- for draft. And they were trying to decide whether um, uh, Dominaria United would be um, slow enough for you to be able to play Divination um, in draft. And, And it's funny that, you know, in Magic, people are trying to figure out whether draft is the draft format is too powerful to play Divination. And yet in Eternal, you know, construct high level constructed decks are still playing um wisdom of the elders
1: right yeah it's quite interesting
0: um yeah and then the, the the final question I have with this deck is uh do you think a send a message is worth the influence cost in a, a deck like this do you think it's like a powerful enough effect
1: um I would suspect that it that it not so much. Um, I haven't actually played the deck myself. Uh, I did watch Random uh, play it quite a bit. I would be a little bit suspect of it, uh, because you are not able to play it, I feel like, early enough um, that it really would make a, have a big impact. But it it would also depend on what you're playing against. Mm -hmm. It is a really great way of being able to deal with Aegis units, for example. Um, so, I could see it. I could see it finding finding uses, um, and it is uh, kind of a, a very it's a very efficient uh, way of of dealing with 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 threats and uh, getting card advantage over time. So, all of what Random's deck is trying to do, it feels just like it's trying to chip away and chip away and keep getting more and more card advantage uh, incrementally. So in that respect, I think it fits in the deck, but I would be a little bit suspicious. I would have to say. Yeah, yeah, it, it's tough because I always
0: like wonder, you know, like I, I don't know, maybe I'm I'm wrong, but it feels like Eternal doesn't have a ton of like these like low resource kind of grindy decks where you know where you're playing like you're you know you have your exploits you're playing in a you know Zito. you could have send a message and i i know like Zito decks kind of got popular in expedition but i i feel like that's never been a throne thing uh especially because throne has so many cards like unstable form and cliffside porter that give you free cardboard it feels like trying to to get your opponent into a lo- low resource situation can be like a, a dicey proposition
1: I think, I think the reason why we don't see cards um, like Zito, for example, being played as much as Throne is because the first, the first few turns are much more important in Throne than, uh, than an expedition. Um, yes, we're talking about kind of Eternal being a little bit more forgiving for being able to play some of the higher, higher cost cards or the slower cards, but still, even in those decks, the first, the first few turns are quite important. If you're playing a Zito and contracting and kind of giving up your second turn, uh, you better be getting quite a bit for for that. And sometimes you you may even be helping your opponent by by having them discard a card. So you'll often the the folks that I've seen uh, play Zito and honestly some of the better players in Eternal like the Boxer, um, you want to play it in a little bit more of a synergy deck. So. I often see him play it on turn one and not contract, for example. And the only reason why he's playing Zito is because it's a sacrifice deck, and he wants to get like multiple sacrifice effects. And potentially later in the game, it could it could really be impactful by taking the last card of the op- in the opponent's hand, which was, which ends up being that's when you really you can really see the value of it, not at the very beginning where the opponent has a full a full grip and they're able to kind of discard the least their least important card. Right. So the the tempo of of of, um, of throne is definitely such that I don't think that you're able to say play Zito on one and contract it.
0: hmm Yeah.
1: No, I, I can see that.
0: And then the the final interesting difference, uh, I and I, I wonder if this is a philosophy difference, but um is that random is playing uh, uh, some copies of Icebolt and GT 100? Uh, you know, being in Skycrag is able to play Icebolt, but is not. And I feel like Icebolt is a pretty controversial card. Um, you know, you have people like Mail uh, in the main Discord who says that Icebolt in fact has no downside, and you don't really care if your opponent draws plays a sigil. Um, you know, you have other people who disagree with that uh, pretty bold claim. But I will say it does seem pretty sweet uh, with double damage.
1: Yeah, I would be a little bit. Uh, for the first thing I want to say is I would sometimes uh, take, um, not take what Mail says in the main Discord at face value. Um, he occasionally uh, is known for uh, potentially, um, shall we say, troll. Uh, different situations uh, with with not not quite being honest with his opinion. Although in this case I do I do think that he's he is being honest. But I think the the main reason why Ice Bolt kind of stands out to me in this deck versus GT's deck is because of Stonebreaker Bow. So getting a a double damage ice bolt when you're able to have Overwhelm yourself uh, in play by playing a bow. Uh, allows your Ice Bolt to do 14 damage Overwhelm, which which means that you not only can you kill a unit, but all of a sudden you have a significantly more efficient damaging spell to the face than you would otherwise uh, be able to have, uh, even if you were playing Torches, because you could get 6 damage for 1, and uh, Ice Bolt would be a removal spell plus potentially 8 damage to the face for 2. Um, so I think that that is kind of the reason that it pushes ice bolt over the top.
0: Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I see that.
1: All right, cool. So do you want to
0: get into your deck list?
1: Uh, sure. Uh, should we, we can talk about the, let's see, the, um, the Catalyze, the, the Ikario one?
0: Yes, I think it, it, th- this kind of works out. Because we kind of smoothly went from my deck into uh, GTS and randoms, and I think we're gonna smoothly go from your deck into another open deck of uh, from Notorious GHP.
1: All right, that sounds good. Okay, so for my deck, um, I was uh, I thought to myself, I'd like to maybe my first attempt to to build a deck around the card is to look at maybe some past decks that have existed that that. Want to find some synergy from the discard effect, um, but also I wanted to find a little bit of synergy for the double damage effect as well. So kind of trying to mix it up a little bit more, not not uh, not stick to trying to to only use one part of the card. And I, I thought to myself that that um, the Rakano deck of past with the Caria and Rizan um, was very very int- a very interesting space to explore. Uh, so I can maybe do the same where I kind of say the overall uh, cards in the deck, and then I, I can uh, kind of delve into some of the choices. So I, I, I started off with uh, four Torch, four Breach of the Defenses, and the idea being that it could be a unit removal, but can also do large amounts of damage directly to the player if they have double damage, uh, The namesake, then followed by the Namesake card for Catalyze. Um, then we have four Privilege of Rank, which is a great card to discard to catalyze, but is also a great card to discard to some of the other cards in the deck. Um, we have four styres Eyes, um, which another another card that discards a card and, and tries to get advantage of that. Uh, we have four Tota Pioneers, which is which I a card that I love very very much. Um, we have four uh, Bullet Shapers, another another card that gets. Um, a benefit from discarding cards, so uh, benefiting from privilege of rank as well. We have two draconic looting, uh four Ixton merchant, uh four auric rune uh four Reva, four reason uh the Great Bowmaster, Master, and four Ikario Liberated. Um so some of the interesting choices uh, typically this a deck like this you would expect to see um, the merchant choice to being, uh, kind of the, the, the double damage, uh, to one merchant, which I don't remember its name right now. Um,
0: yeah, exactly. The, the Valley something Valley smuggler, I think
1: red Canyon smuggler. Yeah. So typically (laughs) you would expect it to be red Canyon smuggler, but, uh, I, I made a conscious choice to pick Ixton merchant instead because of that overwhelm and that additional power. Um, whether it's better or not, I'm not 100% sure, but it was the choice was kind of conscious because of, of playing Catalyze. Uh, and uh, we have Riva as well, which is something that I saw the interaction with Catalyze, and I thought that was a particularly interesting. Um, kind of imagine drawing Riva from Catalyze, being able to play Riva, uh, gain eight power, and immediately cast your Ikaria. Even though it can't attack, that's a pretty formidable uh, turn. Uh, that you're able to 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 make, um, so I, I kind of tried to do that. Those kind of synergies in this deck, um, like you said with yours, mixed success. Uh, definitely over fifty percent, but you know I I wouldn't necessarily recommend it for a serious turn.
0: Yeah, yeah. It also you know Rizan becomes very very interesting with double damage, and that's a a card that uh, Random was playing with you know, tinkering with a bunch uh, with these catalyzed kind of builds. Um, yeah, I found Ixton Merchant to be great with double damage. Uh, that was yeah, that was one of the standouts in my deck, uh, too. Uh, you know, there are some uh, cards missing here that uh, I do find interesting. Uh, one of them is a card we mentioned earlier, Iron Priestess. Seems like, you know, it could possibly have a home in this deck.
1: Um, I, I think it's a great card. Um, I think it was just an omission uh, on my part, not thinking not thinking about the card. Um, I, I think that that would be a really great addition to this deck, to yes. be honest
0: with you. Yes, and then, I mean, it, of course, gets uh, uh, always interesting to figure out what the cut uh with these uh, I wonder um how you felt you know bullet shaper has really not shown up much since it's uh, a nerf from a two cost to a three cost uh, and a couple other changes uh, did you find that it performed okay
1: in this deck it did perform okay um i've i've always i've been trying to get the card uh to to, to find a home for that card again um ever since it got nerfed. i I think one of the big what I kind of went away from the deck and wanting to find uh, an answer to as I kept playing it is the deck itself is able to generate a lot of influence, and it really is not taking advantage of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if we could find a way to add some kind of benefit from all the influence that is gained, um that there there is some space to to improve it in that direction and bullet shaper is definitely one of those cards that just adds it it's, it's able to to add a a, a red and a, a fire and a and a justice influence as well just by playing it which which really helps and then you're able to immediately also um discard a spell so that you can only for one power let's say get Get your three three in play, fix your influence, and then still be able to cast something that would otherwise be relatively taxing. Um, relatively taxing to cast.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I think that is one of the disadvantages of using a, a the mer- the Ixton Merchant is you can't really easily play um, w- with your market access. The uh, the Gunslinger that you know gives plus one plus one for. Uh, each justice influence you have which could be pretty sweet especially because you have so many flyers or like man like playing a riva and then you know playing a that gunslinger on her that seems like a a great turn uh, especially if they have double damage Uh, definitely
1: um and anytime Ikario was drawn off of catalyze that that also ended up uh kind of closing the game pretty quickly yes but yeah, it, really it is.
0: I, it, I just feel like the seven powers was really... I played a couple games with this, and it felt. I I'm never able to get the seven power before I I'm dead uh, s- somehow. Um, That's a good point.
1: Yeah, it's it's. Uh, I I think I I think the deck, even though the curve was uh, was relatively low, which is something that I often aim to do with with my decks. Um, even still. <laughs> The format. There are some decks in the format that are you know, pretty aggressive, and it would be, depending on the cards, sequences and cards that you draw, it would be a little difficult.
0: Yeah, and to stay alive. And I, you know, speaking of decks in the format, that was uh, it, uh, you know, with Creation Project being like the boogeyman right now, uh, I did wonder what you would think about like a Varbuk. Uh, main or whether you liked it in the market, because I also think that you know, a, one of we were talking about battle skills that do well with double damage, and I do think charge is w- one of those battle skills that likes double damage.
1: Yeah, I think Varbok uh, should be in the main. Um, I think that it's 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 good. It's I mean it's a it's a deck, so it's able to cast it relatively consistently. consistently. Mm-hmm. Playing um, it is good in the in in the metagame itself. I I think the main detriment of this deck against uh, the Creation Project decks, I guess most version of the Creation Project decks, isn't so much the um, the lack of barbuck to get rid of the Creation Project, but rather its inability to deal with uh, very quick go wide strategies. Right. So. Um, this deck is, a, is really bad against abundance decks, um, whether it's straight praxis or creation project,
0: yes. Um, and then I think that will, um, will lead us into notorious GHP's deck, who I think tried to do a couple things, um, to help with uh, those kind of matchups. But I did want to ask one other question, um, which is. What I know I said that seven was a lot, but like what about a plating? (laughs) Is that any interest in a double damage plating?
1: That could be an addition as well. (laughs) I I think I was trying to stay within so I was trying to do bullet shaper stuff Mm -hmm. uh, at the same time as rezon as as well, and and you don't get you have this like weird tension of needing to place enough spells to be able to do um, the bullet shaper stuff and the rizon stuff uh, but at the same time you need enough units uh, as well so it didn't feel it didn't feel like I, I could play something that wasn't within those two camps i think that was the the main reason for the omission of the uh you were talking about the six eight weapon that can attack twice
0: yes which if yes. it has double damage is uh on it is 24 damage on an empty board
1: Yes, um, it, there's definitely I think other ways of building this idea of a deck that doesn't necessarily uh, doesn't want to do Rizon things or doesn't want to do uh, bullet shaper things. And if you remove that aspect from it, and maybe you start playing some uh, some board sweepers as well, then all of a sudden, uh, I think the plating becomes uh, much more sought after effect that you want
0: that deck. Okay. Yeah, so I, I guess speaking of the other plating, we, we can go to Notorious GHP's deck and um, uh, I'll read it out here. So uh, for one drops, they have Akko Inspired Artist, which is the Oni with Mastery One and the Mastery Nine. They have a Battlefront Dasher, four copies of that too. Uh, four copies of Fearless Crescendo, uh, four copies of Torch. Then there are two drops. They have four copies of Catalyze, four copies of Iron Priestess, four copies of League Explorer. And then in their three drops, they have Chizue Silver Hilt, uh, three copy or four copies of Valkyrie Enforcer, four copies of Whirling Duo. um, And then they have uh, four copies of Caleb's Persuader, four copies of Varbuk, Hand of Anarchy, and then uh, two copies of Deep Forged Plate.
1: Yeah, this is much more proactive. Um, definitely less cutesy like my deck was trying to be, trying to get a little bit of a of an interesting synergy aspect to it and, and sort of much more straightforward. All the cards in their deck are just trying to do as much damage to the opponent uh, as they can. Um, this reminds me a little bit of... Expedition decks that have existed uh, in the recent past. Um, Akko is a kind of quite an interesting choice because if if uh, you're ever able to trigger the the mastery nine, then all of a sudden anything that you draw with catalyze just becomes like incredibly strong. Um, his yeah. way as well, just giving overwhelm to something that otherwise wouldn't have it, even if it got the double damage.
0: Yeah, um, yeah, I, that's what I think is uh, pretty interesting with this deck. Is it's kind of a, a interesting mix of cards that go well, like are cute with Catalyze, and then cards that are just like good on their own. Um,
1: yeah, because like you know. Like, oh.
0: I, like you were saying with Akko, is you know very interesting if you do get the Mastery 9 with uh, Catalyze, but I just, like, when I looked at this deck for the first time, I was like, is there really no better <laughs> one-drop to be playing than Akko, Inspired Artist? Um, and maybe there's not a, a, a more powerful one-drop, um, and so it's worth, kind of, or maybe, you know, there is, but it's not so much more powerful that it's it's worth, you know, it's worth playing Akko for this other little synergy.
1: Yeah. The the way that it's reading to me is so every single unit either has, um, kind of an immediate effect uh, coming into play or it has charge or it has both. Uh, so it, it, it's reading to me like, um, it, it also tops off the, the curve tops off pretty pretty low. Um, you're 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 not playing any units that cost more than four, and you're only playing uh, the four far varbucks at four that attack immediately when they get played. So it's definitely much much faster than um, the tempo of the deck that I that I made for uh, as kind of a design around Catalyze. So this is it, it's just trying to do as much damage as possible and to do it. Not as in a surprising way with charge, but but make it difficult for your opponent to interact or deal with the threats that you're playing.
0: Um, yes, yeah, and then uh, so then it ha- does because of charge have like a few cute choices like Whirling Duo, which is you know a set one card I think set three, sorry, a set three card. Uh, you know it's the three cost three three with charge and life steal, which I think is pretty universally not considered, you know, good enough for throne yet. But I, uh, but I guess their thinking was with Catalyze, you know, trying to deal with these go wide strategies. Maybe that charging life steal is is worth it in this deck.
1: Uh yeah, and and even if you were to draw just the whirling duo by itself, e- either through the nature of an Akko having triggered the mastery 9 an iron priestess, the Caleb's Persuader, the Deep Forge Plate—it's a great unit to equip uh, with a with a with a weapon. Um, it would make it very very difficult for an aggressive deck to be able to race. It would make it impossible for an aggressive deck to be able to race and and, and call for it to to kind of be interacted with or or lose. Um, I think that is really what it's bringing to the table. Is it's particularly great against aggressive. Yeah. Aggressive decks.
0: Yeah, yeah. My one concern with it though is that you know, I I think when we talk about aggressive decks in the abstract, that's true. But you know, having this deck be for the open where um, Creation Project was sort of enemy number one, and everyone sort of knew that going in, and just thinking about how easily Creation Project gets its units to be three threes. <laughs> Um, you, you know how like all you know it turns its grinded in drones into three threes. I feel like all the time and pretty quickly.
1: Right. Um, yeah. No, that's a good point.
0: And so, the, um,
1: yeah.
0: So that that's my one concern with uh, Whirling Duo. The the other interesting uh, thing, and I I think it probably just makes sense, is uh, because it's a strong card. Is uh, the market choice of Fearless Crescent, Crescendo. Um, you know, being a, a quote-unquote non-catalyzed hit way to uh, market access, but I, it, but I guess just being a powerful enough card on its own to to make it worth it.
1: Yeah, I, I think I don't know if I'm in the minority of this, or maybe maybe as we see Eternal keep keep growing and and new cards coming out, I think it'll become more and more evident. But I think getting access to the market is a very powerful effect. And the cheaper that you can do this, um, the more problematic sometimes it becomes. And we've seen uh, three of the other five uh, one-cost market spells um, need to be adjusted slightly. And I have a sense that we will see the other two, Fearless Crescendo and Crack the Earth, also uh, need to be adjusted in the future because, I mean, objectively, if I were to try to make a deck that I would bring uh, to a serious tournament, and I wanted to find the appropriate market access for uh, for my particular faction, I would be looking for those uh, spells first. And Fearless Crescendo, I think, is pretty notably much better than uh, the. The merchants uh, themselves. Uh, you're able to. You're able to go to market on turn four, for example, and play your market card right away. Uh, you're able to break Aegis with it. You're able to to give evasion to one of your units. It's it's just a it's a very very powerful card.
0: Yes. Yeah. And then it it causes you to make these uh, interesting choices uh, where like you know in this deck. Um, you, you know, the other most commonly played weapon is like a gem blazer cannon, but because that's a three cost weapon, they have, um, a notorious GHP has that in, in his market and then a uh, deep forge plate, which is a five drop, which is often, you know, thought of as a market card is in the main deck.
1: Yeah. It, it, it does put some interesting restrictions to, uh, to your deck design. Um, but I, I think it is kind of cool. It uh, the fact that these kinds of cards exist, like again, I, I know I mentioned the other one, the Crack the Earth, but it makes cards that are three cost cards within with much more interesting every time they get released because in the back of your mind you have the idea of well maybe this is a really great uh, crescendo market card, um, and that happens the same with five cost cards, and then they become almost state market staples. Just solely because of uh, these market cards existing with those restrictions. So I think I, I, I think it it does bring interesting design choices, like you're mentioning, uh, that you would otherwise maybe not play in the deep place in, in your in your main deck. You would be playing it in your market, but because of the addition of Crescendo, then you have to make some different consider- considerations.
0: Yeah, cool. So I why don't we do your last. Deck and then we'll do some closing thoughts here. Um call
1: us. Sure, and we're going to talk about the factionalist deck, right? Yes. Cool. So um, this is a quite a late edition. Uh, so I don't know if you have it uh, in front of you, but i I was thinking to myself, well, there are a couple of different new cards that came out that. Made me think that potentially um, another approach to factionless was was worth experimenting with, and uh, factionless is a, is a deck that I often do this with, because there are super niche considerations to be made. So with that in mind, with that kind of opening, this is a factionless deck that has a very slight red uh, splash to it, a fire splash to it. Uh <laughs> slight d-
0: slight is uh being a uh, uh, two uh double influence uh fire cards right
1: uh correct yes um so the only the, pretty much the only fire cards that's playing in the main deck are double double influence fire cards uh which you know maybe not does not come across as slight uh but uh, but but the number of fire cards in the deck are just there's two different ones um there's a reason why also the number needs to be relatively low, uh, because when you're uh, discarding cards, uh, you want to make sure to discard factionless cards as much as possible so that you can get your Cast Iron Furnace online as quickly as possible. Uh, so kind of with that in mind, if I go really quick through the deck, uh, there's four Balax the Ravenous, uh, four Grant Suppressors, four Varit, uh, Hero in Training, uh, four Prism Golems, uh, four Undercover Enforcers, uh, four Dean's Chamber, uh, which is kind of between the Suppressor and Dean's Chamber. It's, it's a little bit of the reason why I initially wanted to, to kind of experiment with the Fire version of a Factionless deck and Balax. Uh, we have four Speaking Circles, uh, four Seek Powers, um, four Snipes, four Beseech the Throne, four Catalyze, four Petition, and one Seek Answers. And uh, one other notable thing that I want to mention really quick is we're playing four seek powers, but we're only playing two fire sigils as um, power that can be grabbed from seek power. And that is consistent with also the shadow version of the deck with four seek power and four shadow and, and two uh, shadow sigils as well.
0: Yes, and then uh, I do just want to mention, um, you're, and then also to help with that fire, you're playing three fire symbols though you can't get that with the Seek. Uh,
1: yes, and I mean, honestly, I should be mentioning the power as well because arguably this deck is more about its power cards than historically it's been more about its power cards than it has been for the other cards in the deck. Um, and the notable ones are for Cast Iron Furnace, which makes 5-5 five, five dragons uh, when you reach the five uh, factionless cards in your Void. Ah, uh, for Chairman's contract, which uh, ditches uh, cards from the top of your deck into your void. Uh, for Sealed writ, uh Star Charge, which was a really great addition. We we're playing three of of that and four tempting offers.
0: Yeah, I, I guess that uh, it is interesting because I not only uh, is the power sort of like your power card in in this deck is your power in the cast iron furnace, but. It, there are just so many uh, power colorless power or factionless power now that it's I feel like it's it's kind of tough to figure out like you are um, you're you you have not included the warp one uh, which is an interesting omission to me uh, have you liked star charts better than the warp power
1: yeah um this is actually a really interesting topic and I would love to talk about it at length. Uh, I'm sure that we'll mention it here, but because there are so many really strong power cards in the deck, um, when you play the factionless deck, whichever version you play, you'll you'll find that there's a tension between um, being able to play uh, power cards that are not either Cast Iron Furnace, Chairman Contract, or Tempting Offer. And... um, i've I've played I, I used to play the uh, the warp power in uh, in the original factionless deck, uh, some number of them, but it was it was actually the weakest power in the first one that was cut when uh, Star charts came out because a lot of the time it's sitting on top of your deck and you're not really able to play it because you would rather make a five five dragon instead. If we had the ability of somehow being able to play multiple power in the turn, then I think uh, then and only then would should it be a consideration to be put into the deck.
0: Okay. And then uh, I guess the other question I, I, I had with regard to the power is you, you do have the four sealed writ here. Is that one you would play in your Shadow version two, or is it just because of cataly- Catalyze in this version?
1: Uh, no they're they're in both they're in both uh, both decks it's um it's actually it ends up being the finishing blow on on a quite a sizable percentage of the games uh, played. Huh. Um, because we are we're playing essentially like no faction cards, we don't get the benefit of being able to play removal. Uh, we don't get the benefit of playing a lot of interaction so, it's almost that the ability of reach that you get at the end of it. So maybe you can get a couple of dragon hits in, maybe your speaking circle is able to roll some kind of damage effect, and then you're able to empty your hand pretty efficiently and, and finish them off with A damage. Um, however, in this version, you're able to also just draw it a sealed writ from Catalyze, and you don't have the burden of needing to empty your hand before it's able to do A damage. Um, so it does come into play. Very often. It would not be a place that I would be looking to trip uh, the Tremini copies of uh, necessarily.
0: Cool. So, how has this deck performed for you? I, I know um, you, I don't know if w- w- you had mentioned uh, online that the the fire version hasn't been performing uh, as well as you'd hoped, but had you? Already put catalyze uh, in the deck at that time.
1: Um, It's relatively recent, uh, a really relatively recent addition. Originally, I was just trying to add Bailax and uh, not not catalyze quite yet. And the fire symbols are also relatively a relatively recent addition. I I think this version of the deck is not as good as the shadow. the shadow uh, factionless deck, most notably because there is that tension that you're trying to get your cast iron furnace online as as quickly as possible, and if you're if you're making plays that are not getting you towards that, then by definition you're you're kind of slowing it down. Um, in this case, Balax is a very formidable threat. So if you're able to get that combination of suppressor or Dean's chamber with Balax, that's really strong. Um, I did like. The addition of Catalyze, I think originally I was playing um, Draconic Looting, but that ended up being less good than Catalyze. And I started liking Catalyze a lot more because even if this is uh, objectively a little bit slower than the other version, it's able to still have discard effects through Catalyze or Undercover Enforcer that are able to get Cast Iron Furnace online, even if you're not. Able to as consistently mill uh, discard essentially from the top of your deck through Chairman's Contract um, uh, factionless cards.
0: Yeah, and are you saying that in compared to the Shadow version or the previous Fire version? Sorry,
1: the Shadow version. Yeah, the previous Fire version. I was not. I was not particularly uh, impressed by, but this is a little bit better. Than that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a it's a fun deck. I I would recommend. I would recommend it to folks to try it. Um, Undercover Enforcer is, uh, you would think, a little bit of a, of a, you know, draft card more than anything else, and maybe not even a draft card. Uh, but, but it's actually it, it works pretty well, because it can produce two factionless cards in the void just by discarding one factionless card. So uh, it, it creates and plays a Disrupt, which is factionless, plus your discard from your hand which may be a factionless card that is able to for one cost uh, add two factionless cards to your void which which then fuels your cast iron furnace. Right. And I
0: always wonder like how Speaking Circle uh, plays in, in the deck. I feel like Speaking Circle is another one of these uh, controversial cards in uh, the Eternal community where there's uh, a vocal group uh, that really thinks it's totally unplayable and then there is a uh, another group of players that love to put it in their decks.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, I think it's another card that is just necessary. And you'll notice that kind of like, um, I think with, together with Seal Britain and Speaking Circle, I think both of those serve that, the top end that is relying on the fact of your tempo, uh, the fact that you're being extremely aggressive. Mm-hmm. Um, that, if your opponent is trying to take the time to get rid of your speaking circle, um, then they are they are facing a bunch of five five dragons or a bunch of you know prism golems or Bailaxes that, that are kind of attacking them, and it's it's one of the only ways that you can have interaction. Um, you get three random hits, and, and chances are most of the time you're going to get the interaction that you're looking for. Um, so it's it's un, it's unfortunately or, or unnecessary evil, and then it also serves as a factionless card that you're often able to discard. Um, you had mentioned um, tread as a card um, that you had tried in red factionless decks before, and it was definitely one that I I loved playing in uh, the red factionless deck that I was playing at the time in uh, expedition. But unfortunately, since it was nerfed it really does not perform well anymore uh the only reason why i'm bringing that card up is because at the time speaking circle was very often a card that i would discard to um because it's a card that is relevant later but at the same time it's a very important card because it gives you that top end reach or Mm -hmm. that ability to um be able to to find a strategy against control decks, for example, where you are able to rely on speaking circle and the queen that the speaking circle generates to then protect your units from sweeper effects. Um, There's there's an interesting uh, dynamic of the card.
0: Yeah. Though the Bergen seemed to be able to handle speaking circles, <laughs> no problem. That was uh... well, the
1: the Bergen. Yeah, the Bergen is a very good control player. So he he tends to to time things um, very well and be very deliberate and patient with with his play. So it's very difficult. Uh, it's very difficult to kind of go under under him or around the the plan that he's making. So. Definitely um, a very tough control opponent. Yeah. And then uh,
0: one other question I just had on maybe Factionless in general is a Wasteland Broker and whether that has a place in Factionless decks.
1: Yeah. I. It's being played in the Shadow version of the deck. Mm-hmm. And there is always that tension between Grand Suppressor and Summon Effects. And I think... Depending on how many Grand Suppressor effects you have and how easy it is for you to control whether Grant Suppressor is at play or not, um, it makes Wasteland broker possible to be played. I think usually also it's a four cost four-four is not very efficient, but because you're playing cards like tempting offer, starts becoming a little bit more of an efficient uh, cost-to-power uh, ratio effect. So if you've played your Tempting Offer, and then you draw a 3 cost 4-4 four, four, that has a beneficial effect. All of a sudden, it's pretty good. Um, when you're only playing Grand Suppressors, you're able to kind of control whether it's in play or not by attacking, even into units that it would die to. And most of the time, unless you're playing against opponents that kind of know what you're trying to do, um, they're going to go ahead and block the Grand Suppressor because maybe there's things that they want to do as well that the Grand Suppressor is preventing, which kind of gives you the the opening to be able to play uh, the Wasteland Broker to, to get cards from your market into the deck. Uh, notably, sometimes you want to play Wasteland Broker and not even get anything. So it doesn't really matter too much that the Grand Suppressor effect exists
0: right exactly and then i was just thinking with the catalyzed version it's you know it's it is another unit and so you know a four cost eight four is maybe <laughs> slightly yeah. more appealing then
1: it may be worth trying out again um and it may be worth trying it um you know like not giving up on baylax at some point uh, mm-hmm. and not necessarily doing that in order to play Uh, some more factionless units.
0: Right. All right. So I guess uh, closing thoughts slash questions on Catalyze. Um, So after playing a bunch with it, we saw it in the open and stuff. Uh, Do you think uh, Catalyze is here to stay in the Throne meta?
1: I think so. Um, I think it's the kind of card that has potential for it to gain strength as new cards come out. Um, it's a very efficiently costed card. Costed card. Um, there may be more and more cards that come out that there's benefit for you discarding. There's also potentially new effects that we might see later on added to the game, which replace draw effects, which then start be- that increase its its synergy quite quite notably. So if you're able to discard a card first and then replace the draw spell uh, effect with the the draw component in the card with the replacement effect that may be released in the future, um, so I think that that is it's a card that has uh, a lot of future interest I think uh, to me at least and I think to the to the to eternal
0: yeah all right yeah so I I think that's I I feel the same way it was a fun card to brew around you know it it had a few appearances in the open and I think it's in a pretty nice place. And I think people are going to figure out that that double damage is more impactful than uh, one than it seems at first blush. I agree. All right, cool. Well, uh, thank you so much, uh, Straight, for coming on this show and talking <laughs> talking with me through all these decks. This has been a, a lot of fun.
1: Thank you very much for having me.
0: So I I think that's the end of our show here. So uh, thank you everyone for listening and uh, have a great night.